here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hey guys, uh, my name is McLean Waddell, uh, better known as the Fury Guy, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Lauren Cook Crosby from Holiday World, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hello, my name is Oliver Struby from Mile High Coasters, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Marcus Lashock, the Roller Coaster Bureau Chief at WGN TV Studios in Chicago. You are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us blow through Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Hello, this is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. And today I'm happy to sit down and talk with my guest, Joey Kroback, a respiratory therapist who loves riding roller coasters. Being an enthusiast since 2018, his love of the activity was inspired by family trips to Kings Island and playing roller coaster tycoon. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast, Joey. Thank you for having me, Kim. I'm so excited to be here and I am ready to get started. While we've had fun hanging out and riding coasters together with our group at Kings Island and we've talked a few times in Hollywood Nights, We've never taken the opportunity to really talk and get to know each other. So with that being said, I'd like you to please tell our listeners and me a few things about yourself to help us get to know you better. So my name's Joey. I am from Mason, Ohio. Um, I went to school, like Kim was mentioning, to be a respiratory therapist. Um, I moved to Chattanooga back in 2014. That was my first time ever having a real job. I have been in pediatrics the entire time. Back during about 2017 to, lay, uh, to early 2018, I was starting to feel homesick. And at that point in time is when I really started appreciating the family trips that I was having to Kings Island. But when I was little, well, when I was a teenager, I wasn't really into the parks as much as I was now because I was scared of roller coasters like I've heard from many other enthusiasts. Um, back in 06, I can actually remember my friends tricked me on to getting onto Flight of Fear because they told me it didn't have no loops in it. And that was my oh main my concern goodness. was going upside down. Oh, wow. Yes. So here I was not paying any attention. And I wrote Flight of Fear and I ended up loving it. And I think that was the coaster that made me an enthusiast. But even then, up until 20... 16 mm -hmm. or 2015 around then I didn't even ride vortex because I was scared of going upside down outside because that was a different experience I couldn't tell on flight fear that I was upside wow. down and the time that hit me with my fear as far as like why was I doing this to myself was when I started working as a respiratory therapist in the ER mm -hmm. and I was seeing these kids come in 
that their life was taken from them so quick without them even like realizing it. And it was like, why was I so scared of something that I enjoyed? And it made me just realize how short life was. Yes. Um, so after that, I ended up jumping right on Vortex the first time I came here. My brother's like, you're going to join this? And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. And then I wrote Vortex, Banshee, and Vertigo. And I really haven't been scared since as far as roller coaster goes. Now I currently work at the pediatric hospital here in Cincinnati. And one of the things that they allow us to do is to wear t-shirts as long as they are Cincinnati based. Mm-hmm. So I wear a lot of Kings Island t-shirts to work now. And a lot of the kids there, they recognize it. But they love that. And it gives them like a brief, like glimpse of hope with them mm-hmm. being in there. And they find an awesome thing to talk to me about. Um, even since then, I've ended up wearing like Holiday World t-shirts now. And I've had kids even know about that park now. Yes. So, and then I didn't make it up to Cedar Point until 2018. So I was the same way. I wasn't really into the whole scene until I left and worked really. And now that I've been working as an RT and now starting to travel more, I have actually found out from other coworkers that they have that same kind of interest, but they've just never really looked into it the way that we have. Uh-huh. So they're constantly asking like, now whenever they're on vacation if they're by amusement park they're like how's this place is it worth going to yeah is there anything i should know and it's just really neat conversation talk or and all the co-workers that i've worked with are like that is really awesome like that's totally like a you thing like no one does that mm-hmm. um the other thing that's been cool with me as far as being a coaster enthusiast is i know disney's not big as far as like the coaster like throw rides go and stuff but if you're a pediatric nurse, RT, doc, you name it, they're all involved in Disney in some way. So they all enjoy Disney World. Okay. Yeah. So now that they've seen me with this side, they've kind of ventured out from more of that family style into the thrill cycle, especially with like the kids. That's interesting. That's not something I would have ever thought of, you know, just being a common connection. Yeah amongst you and your co-workers that's fascinating yeah you know I, I totally get the idea that you said about you know realizing how short life is I've had a couple of incidents in my life where there's been twice that that's really I don't know been wake-up calls for me the first one was I was sitting in line one time a couple about a year ago Chick-fil-a drive through here in Louisville and the line was spilling out, you know, typical Chick-fil-A all the way down through the parking lot of the Costco behind it. And this box truck came, I mean, literally blazing off of Bardstown Road straight towards the front end of my car. And I was sitting in this big long line. I had nowhere to go. There was landscaping beside me. I was totally boxed in. My life literally flashed before my eyes. And I just slammed on the horn and sat there embraced and shut and had my eyes squinted just enough to where I could see. He swerved so hard. He went across the landscaping that was beside me and missed me by a couple of inches. 
And then, you know, just this past June, again, I was in that accident on I-71 near, near Kings Island. And I mean, spun twice in the middle of 71. And like, how am I still here? <laughs> and I'm not her. I'm not in any pain. I just written, I've had every person that saw my car, looked at it, the cop, the people at the holding lot, the people at the repair shop. Like, how are you standing here? You know, if she had missed both times my car was hit by a couple of inches either way, and the car had hit my the doors instead of my <laughs> wheels, you know, that yeah. could have been a whole other outcome. So life is very short. And one thing I've learned through all of this is thinking that, you know, there, there's just not enough time to sit around and think about it. No. You want to do it, do it, because none of us are guaranteed the next day. None of us are guaranteed the next minute. And, you know, the money and that sort of thing, it, it comes back. It, it replenishes itself. There's always a way. But if I spend my life sitting around thinking about all the things I want to do, I don't know when time's going to run out. And, you know, didn't get to do it. So just living life to the fullest as much as I can and cherishing every day a lot more. Very, you know, very thankful for what I get to do <laughs> work-wise and that sort of thing, not complaining about what I have to do, which, you know, we can all fall in that rut sometimes, but I'm definitely starting this school year, which is my 24th oh. with a, you know, just a more positive mindset I think that maybe even my first year because of, you know, the life experiences that have just made me appreciate the little things a lot more. And, you know, I get what you're saying too about the coworkers because at first, you know, my, the people at my school, they were looking at me really skeptically. <laughs> we started taking all these coaster trips and stuff. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, are you having a midlife crisis? What's going on here? And, I was like, no, this chapter of my life is just beginning. And they've seen, everybody has seen, you know, that it's been there for a long time. They've seen the transformation physically. They've seen it in me. They've seen the transformation in my personality, me as a teacher, me as a workout, you know, how, how I interact with the kids, my level of positivity. And then they're kind of like, tell me more about this. You know, what do you do yeah. and how you do it? And it's it's really fun now because when I go back to work, even those those that may not do it, they all they all want to hear about my trips. There's one of them every time he sees me, he'll yell down the hallway, "Hey, there's Coaster Queen!" <laughs> Call me at work, and um, they've told their class, they've even told their classes about it. They all knew when I took my trip last October down to Florida. They all knew when I was leaving, where I was going, what kind of plane I was going to be flying on. I had teachers tell me their classes were looking for me up in the sky, <laughs> looking for the yellow spirit plane. So, I mean, it's been become a very, you know, positive thing in my work environment as well. And the kids and the teachers all love to hear my stories. <laughs> and um, for some of the kids too, that have never experienced life 
outside of their little corner of Louisville. It gives them aspirations to hope for, you know, like, and I talked to them about, you know, like, here's why you want to get a job when you grow up, you know, why you want to get a career, because then you're able to go do things like this. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, this, this suddenly they're more motivated. Okay, so now we're going to start the interview portion. And there's going to be two parts of the interview. The first part is going to be kind of what I, we call the, uh, the roller coaster, I call it the time traveler, where we go back in time to the early days. And then the last part of the interview will focus more on the here and now, you know, present day situation. So what, we're going to start with our first question, and that's going to be, what was the very first coaster that you remember riding? The very first coaster I remember riding was at the time called the Beastie, which is over at Kings Island. Okay. I can't remember if it had the tunnel or not when I wrote it, but I think it did because it used to have a tunnel on it. That was my first one as well. I remember riding that one and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't get to ride much else when I was a kid. Yeah. My family, we went to Kings Island once a year. And I yeah, was we the, went twice. Yeah, I was the youngest of three siblings. So I was stuck doing whatever my older sisters wanted to do. And the only things they liked to do was spin in fast circles. And I still hate spinning in fast circles. It makes me sick. Yeah. It'll mess me up for a whole day if I have if I'm forced to do that. I, I get mean, messed up on Zypher. Oh, really? Yeah, it bothers me. But Windseeker don't, but Zypher does. Yeah. And I'm talking like fast, tight circles. I made the mistake of last year at Beach Bend trying that. I'm like, you know, I've done all this other stuff and nothing bothers me anymore. Not just it doesn't bother me, I enjoy it. Maybe I can give these circles one more try. Oh, it was one of those old, the fair type rides called the Tempesto. You remember those two circles? Like the Electra spins kind of thing? They go, well, there's two like cages, circles on each end and you stand up. Yeah, and then the floor yeah, drops. And they, yeah, uh huh. Yep. Oh, I did that at Beach Bend. <laughs> I couldn't even ride the scrambler after I got off. Wow. I was a mess the whole day, and we left early. I, I, I was done. Like, I have to go home and go to bed. I, I literally had to go home and go to bed. We were in, we went to eat dinner before we came home. And my son, Jay, we were standing in line and I'm like, Jay, come here. He's like, what are you doing, mom? You're acting weird. I said, I just need you to stand here and don't move. And I laid my head like on his shoulder and he's like, Bob, what are you doing? I said, I literally feel like I'm going to pass out. Please do not ask questions. Just let me stand here if you want me to be able to drive home. So after that, okay, mom got my sleep. I woke up and I was fine after that, but no more tight circles for me after that, for sure. <laughs> so going back to that first ride on the Beastie, after that, trying to go forward a little bit, 
It could be, I guess, from your childhood or something you wrote later on. What would you say is the first poster that's the poster that scared you the most? I would say it had to be. That's a tough one. I, I want to say the beast, but then I also want to say Flight of Fear. I feel like Flight of Fear scared me more than the beast did. I was never really afraid of heights and I rode racer before. So the beast was just kind of like a longer version of that. Mm-hmm. But I'd never gone upside down up into that point, And I was actually terrified of going upside down. So I feel like Flight of Fear was the coaster that scared me as a kid. But then also, I didn't really know anything about Flight of Fear. And I guess you fear what you don't know, I guess. Oh, yes. I remember, too, feeling that anticipation over the beast. I didn't even ride the beast until I was, I don't even remember how old I was. I was well into adulthood. But, you know, I'd always heard the stories, you know, the hype around the beast. And you can't see the beast. You know, I went up to the top of the Eiffel Tower trying to scope it out and look at it a little bit. Couldn't see a thing. (laughs) So, you know, like the unknown and wondering what exactly was going to happen during that ride was scary for me as well. And the going upside down thing, that was a big fear of mine too. We did Vortex. It was back in 1994, my senior night in high school. Everybody in the group was riding Vortex. And I was the only one that didn't want to ride it. But (laughs) I wasn't going to stand back and watch the whole senior class pretty much go ride the coaster and me be the only one standing there. And it was, you know, all those loops and versions. The biggest thing I think I'd ever, I'd ridden the Beastie. I might have ridden the Racers before then, you know, not much. And, um, once I finally got on that thing, my whole response was, you know, why has my family been feeding me lies all of these years? Yeah. <laughs> How scary everything is. That was back when Vortex was running really well. It was fun. You know, and I got it, I got a taste of it and I wanted to ride more after that. Yeah. So when you rode by fear. For the first time, do you remember how you were feeling when you approached the station? I don't, but the one thing I remember, which is going to sound funny, is I remember standing in line watching the pre-show, but I don't really remember a whole lot about the pre-show besides seeing the loop drawing in the cornfield. Mm-hmm. And my friend was still like, oh, I don't do anything. That's just the hillocks. And I was like, oh, okay. That's what I remember about it. Okay. Even the launch aspect of Fly Fear didn't get me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I guess I didn't know what it would do, like what it did, because it was inside. So you couldn't see it anyway. Yeah. And my first ride experience, I remember not even paying attention to being flipped upside down until literally the courtshire at the end. And okay. funny enough, um, talking about going upside down i had actually rode tomb raider the ride right before i got on flight of fear 
to see if it would help me feel better about going upside down, but they still never told me Flight of Fear did. I have a little Tomb Raider. What kind of ride was that like? It was a top spin, I think is what they called them. And it would just rotate and then you would just kind of be like up, down, and then it had all these effects and stuff okay. that it would do like shooting water and whatnot. Okay. My reactions, my feelings going into scary coasters are so vastly different. I remember for now for Vortex, Diamondback, Fury 325. Those were three breakthrough coasters for me. I was literally, you know, going into the station scared to death for all three of those. You know, stomach and knots, lump in my throat, sweaty palms, cotton mouth, like, I don't know if we're going to do this or not. But then when it was so strange, when we went to ride Topfield Dragster for the first time, I was calm as a cucumber. Like, it was the opposite for me. I felt so calm. But then once my butt got in the seat, that's when all hell broke loose. Sit down. And, um, you know, it's interesting. So you said it was the opposite for you? It was the opposite. So I do have like the other two. So my first trip to Cedar Point, I'd never been on Giga before. So I got Millennium. And I remember being kind of nervous before I got on it, but I still got on it and I was fine afterwards. But then I wasn't so concerned about the speed of top throw. I was worried about the launch and the effect it would have on me as far as like the intensity was. And I remember having the clammy hands and was like shaking, not really like shaking, shaking, but you know, and Mm -hmm. I had that standing in line. And then as soon as I sat down in the coaster, it was feeling like I couldn't buckle in because I was like nervous trying to buckle in. And then they rolled us out into the pre-launch session and then it was like the adrenaline took over mm-hmm. and then I was excited to ride it. And then once we got launched, like all that just went away. Yes. And that was the last time that I was ever nervous before I ever got on a ride. Yeah. It was so strange for me this year when we got on King to Call for the first time, because we've had so many, had so many rides on drinks or Jay and I just sat there and looked at each other and he's like, mom, shouldn't we be nervous at least a little bit? I'm like, well, one would think that we should be, but we're really not. I mean, yeah. we were just, you know, so calm and relaxed and just excited and ready to do it this time. It's, it's amazing. You know, once you do things so many times, how that just that initial fear and anxiety just it goes away when you least expect it. <laughs> yes, it does. So um, going back to that uh, scary coaster, Flight of Fear, or you know, any other coaster that you've been scared of as well, how did you feel when you got off the coaster the first time? I felt fine. Um, both had long lines, so I didn't feel like riding right away again, but I never was scared again after riding it. Okay. But I wasn't eager to get back on it by any means either. Um, one, because, yeah, I did like Fly of Fear, but there was other rides I liked better. And then, of course, my first ever trip to Cedar Point was 2018. 
And my first ride ever at Cedar Point was still Vengeance. Wow. Yeah. So I had more interest going back to that and Maverick than I did riding Millennium or Top Thrill again. I can't blame you for that one. For me, pretty much at Cedar Point, it's ride still Vengeance as much as I can. I'll grab a couple of rides on Millennium Force, one or two on Maverick. I'm good. Top Thrill Dragster was closed this year. Anyway, but my favorite ride is always, my go-to has always been still vengeance ever since I got yes I remember my first trip there actually we ended up catching the train back to still vengeance me and my brother and his girlfriend and her kid at the time and we got there and of course it was down shocker (laughs) and we waited there sitting down for an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and I remember looking at my brother going why are we sitting here waiting for this ride to open up and he's like just be quiet you'll be fine I was like okay whatever wait Yes. So then we saw the three trains go by with like the worker on it. And I didn't pay no attention to it. I didn't pay a single word. I didn't know it went upside down. I didn't know anything before I got on the show. I didn't pay no attention to it. (laughs) And I remember after the third train went through, I remember just hearing it go by. And I remember people clapping. And I was like, that's strange. Why are people clapping that this ride just went for the third time with just the employee on it? And then they opened it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say as much as an enthusiast, as much as Flight of Fear made me an enthusiast, yes. still Vengeance was the one that cemented that, that made me want to venture out and travel more. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. And once you get out and you start getting a taste of what's in other places, <laughs> it's exciting. Yes. go and try new things, have new experiences. You know, <laughs> the more parks I go to, you know, there's just such a different, unique characteristic, you know, that each park has. It's not like any other park, you know, but it's a ton of fun for me as well. And what you said, you know, after riding that coaster for the first time, you didn't necessarily want to ride it again. That reminds me, little story i'll tell you when we just took this last trip to pennsylvania new jersey i told the story just last night as well we were in line for one of our last rides it wasn't our last ride that was our last day for candymonium and there was this boy standing behind me bawling crying his eyes out he looked like a young teenager Oh, he was scared to death. And mm-hmm. I just stood there and like, don't say anything. Cause I, I will, I get really upset if I see parents trying to force kids on rides. You yes. know, that's not the way to do it at all. And but I'm like, well, you know, don't say anything because you may not understand the whole situation yet. So I, I kept my mouth closed, but I was keeping an ear open. And I just listened. And then his mother looked at me and I had my Fury shirt on. She said, my son really likes your shirt. And I looked at him, I said, have you ridden Fury before? She said, no. She said, he's an enthusiast, but he's never ridden a coaster. I said, how's that? (laughs) And it was literally like the story of a young Logan Joyner again. 
She said he religiously watches POVs of the world's best roller coasters on YouTube all the time. And he's, you know, he loves watching roller coasters. This is all he does. And he's got this list of roller coasters he wants to go ride. And Fury's one of them, but he's never ridden one. That's why he's here now. Oh. So I I took that as a time to go back and do, you know, what we did a lot of our coaster kids meetups to yeah. do everything I could to encourage and build that kid up. And I told him, you know, I told him all I, me, I'm a technical person. I told him all about the details of the ride. I said, you know, you're gonna experience something called floater time. You know, this is what the ride's designed to do, you know. It's perfectly safe, you know, explain them, try, kind of help them know what to expect. And um, told him, I said, when you get off this coaster, I can promise you one thing. I said, you are going to feel like king of the world. You're going to be so proud of yourself. You know, you're going to want to go tell everybody, guess what I did? And it did. It calmed down, stopped crying. And he, he was in much better spirits. I did see him down at the Photoshop. After he got off the ride, and I said, how'd you like it? <laughs> he said, not very much. He said, but he said, I'm going to keep riding this until I'm not scared anymore. Oh. So, you know, and his mom told me, she said, wow. She said, I feel like we were just in the right place at the right time to talk to you. She said, because I honestly don't think he would have even gotten on it if he hadn't talked to you. Wow. Oh, that just made my day. That's know? awesome. Yeah. Help that child like that. So going back to that first ride on Flight of Fear, would you say that it impacted your life after riding that coaster? Honestly, I'd have to say no. Okay. To be honest. Because looking back, that was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And the only time I ever had a season pass to Kings Island was my senior year, which would have been four years later. Okay. I mean, I did enjoy my trips, but it didn't really change what I did. Mm -hmm. I was still terrified of going upside down outside. So <laughs> I would say no. Any are there any coasters you can think of that really stand out as having an impact that were game changers for you? That would be still Vengeance. That would be it. That's the I would say. About. Yeah. Okay. I would say that was the game changer because that made me want to start traveling with it. Mm -hmm. That's definitely one that is very popular. Yes. Amongst many enthusiasts. And when I talk yes. to them, it's a breakthrough coaster for so many people. Yeah. I would say around then is when I also started getting more involved. I wasn't really part of the coaster community either, but I'd heard about Ace somehow mm -hmm. from a friend around then. Yeah. And then in 2019, I feel like coaster stock of 2019 was probably the like breaking event. Okay. So I look back at that event as more of like, okay, this is like something I want to do and I like mm -hmm. to do. And then wow. I started wondering like, well, what else is out there as far as events go? And the community at Coaster Stock 
is just unlike any other. Yes. I mean, I love the other events that I go to, but coaster stock, it's just like a big family. And you become friends with people. Sometimes you don't even know, you know, before you got there and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, that's and I started I started following pages then, and that's how I ended up running into Josh and Adam and all of them off of FYE. Okay. So, but I didn't even meet them at Coaster Stock 2019. Mm-hmm. I knew who they were, and we noticed them filming and stuff, but we never, like, introduced ourselves or not. Okay. And at the time, after Coaster Stock 2019, when I was sitting there talking about, like, well, what other, like, coaster events are there? Because I didn't know. I was new at this point, but I knew I wanted to do more of stuff like that because it was just such a cool atmosphere. Yeah. I remember talking to my buddy. His name was Noah. He used to work at Kings Island and he worked the Beast. And I told him, I was like, hey, yeah, I became like an ace member and I'm looking at events to do and all this. And he's like, Joey, he's like, if you like the Beast at night, then you need to go check out Hollywood Nights. He's like, that's the one event I wish I could go to that I've never been. He's like, they run the Voyage Trimless. I didn't know what the Voyage was. I had no idea. He just told me what he was just like, they ride this roller coaster trimless and he's like it's the beast on steroids and i was like nah i can't really see it being that way but sure i'll go check it out mm-hmm. and that was another event i let back on i'm just like wow yes. and that that continues to be one of my favorite events as well every year and i've told anybody that will listen as long as I have the health and a body that that will let me do it. (laughs) That's an event I want to go to as long as I possibly can. Okay, so looking back on all the coasters you've written, what would you say has been either your craziest moment on a coaster or in an amusement park? The craziest moment I can think of happened at Hollywood Nights in 2020. It was, of course, the only, like, event that happened that year, and they were doing the spacing with the trains and stuff. Mm -hmm. And my brother reached out to Adam, who you know, you know Adam. Yes. About doing a party of 24 to get a full train on the voyage. And Adam blew it off, like, oh, it'll never happen kind of thing or whatever. So him and my brother naturally posted on the community group that they were at, Ho- no, it was on Hollywood Nights community group. Hey, we're looking to form a party of 24. Meet us over at the voyage. And that night, it was me, my brother, Adam, Gene, and Larry, mm-hmm. and my brother's girlfriend's two kids. So I knew probably seven people out of the 24, yeah. and I made 17 new friends that night. Oh, wow. On that one ride. Mm-hmm. I remember it being the loudest group I'd ever been with. Literally, wow. we were chanting 24 the entire time we were standing in line. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to the top of where the voyage steps begin, and they had the characters out there, and they were hyping us up with, like, raising their arms up, and we would start going, ah, and, like, screaming, and then, like, they would tell us to sign it down. It felt like you were at a rock show. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we get up there to the divider lady, and she's like, how many you got? And we're like, 24. And she's like, no, seriously, how many you got? We're like, 24. 
And she was like, she just had a smile on her face because she knew why we did it. Uh-huh. And we sat down in that train and we all started chanting 24, 24, 24. Yeah. And we were so excited, this whole group was, that Rita, who everyone knows from Hollywood yeah. we overpowered her on her hypeness. I had never oh. seen that happen before with the group. She was so overwhelmed by us that she didn't even know what, like, know what to do. We rode up the lift hill, the entire lift hill. We had yes. people looking at us from below. Yes, yelling, Road. Yes, all the way up the lift hill until we wow. went down and there was people looking at us from below. Yeah. That's the one single memory that I remember the most. And, you know, that's something that I love. And I don't know if you guys started that or what, but it was still, you know, people were still doing it at Hollywood Nights this year, <laughs> getting yep. on there and row, row, row. Yep. I mean, it's just an energy, a positive energy that you just... I have not experienced that type of energy from a group at any single coast or any place else. No. And it's, it was only that one group, even at Hollywood Nights. We ended up having a second group of 24, but it wasn't nearly as loud as that group. Speaking of the voyage, that's actually how I made two new friends this year at Hollywood Nights, I wound up, our group, our group wound up split for a while. And um, I had a little bit of time the second day to myself for a few hours. So yeah, I was just wandering around and there were not one, but two other people, other women there that had voyage tattoos like I did. Ah, yes, I do remember <laughs> hearing about that, yes. We just started talking and I had the best time, you know, with this lady named Tiff. I felt like I'd known her my whole life. <laughs> you know, we just met and really started talking that day. It, it's amazing how the level of energy that's, you know, at events like that and, you know, the common love of a ride or whatever can just bring, can bring people together. And, yes. you know, we're actually staying in contact, going to try to, you know, meet up with each other at Kings Island and that sort of thing, too. So, and those very awesome 2020 and 2021 years felt like a concert event. Like there were so many people there mm-hmm. and they were there for it. Yes. I mean, it was, it was nice the way it was this year. Yes. You know, with the RT and stuff, it was nice, but it was definitely more relaxed than what it was <laughs> yes, <laughs> had fair. that many people there yeah all right so <laughs> i think you have pretty much already answered this question of all of the coasters you've ridden what is your number one favorite coaster that would be the voyage for sure and what is it about the voyage that just stands out to you as being the absolute best of the best? Well, one thing that sticks out to me is the first time I ever went to Hollywood Nights was with my brother, who that would have been 2019. So I would have just been coming off my homesickness from 2018 that I had from Tennessee. And I don't get to spend much time with him now that I'm older and he's older. We're both doing our same thing. We're, We're both off doing different things. But that's one event that we never missed together. 
he's always at that event. He's always at Coaster Stock too, but he's normally got his girlfriend's kids with him and stuff like that. That's been the event that's only been just me and him. Okay. And other than that, I mean, I just really, Hollywood Nights really changed my perspective on that coaster. Mm-hmm. And that single night of 2020, when we got that group of 24 together, that's something I'll just never forget. So it's not just the, the ride experience, you've got the nostalgia. Yes. Tying but I've only been riding that since 2019. So mm-hmm. it's not really even the ride nostalgia, it's more of the atmosphere okay. of it. Because I've gone to Holiday World by myself, especially during 2020, when they were one of the first ones to open. And yeah, I love the voyage. I rode it plenty of times. Got a Zen ride on it one day. But it just didn't have that same feel to it. Yeah. It's one that's definitely grown on me. Of course, before my enthusiast days, when I first rode it, I just thought it was rough. Gave me a headache. Didn't really... I mean, it was all right, but... I wasn't, I was, I didn't know how to ride it or anything. It took, you know, it took a few years for it to start going on me. And then, you know, once I went to Hollywood Nights and got the full experience, it really (laughs) went up a whole lot of levels after that. So the funny thing is, the other thing that I remember, and it was cool to talk about it this year, the first time I rode Voyage was during mm-hmm. Hollywood Nights. I'd never rode it up until that point. Oh, wow. Yes. And funny enough, me and my brother, I remember standing in line and we were getting ready to ride Road 12. And there was this older gentleman that's been there since the Stark Mad Raven days or whatever it was called. Yeah. And we told him, we we're like, yeah, this is our first time being here. Go on and ride it. And he's like, oh, you can go ahead of me. And like, it was just like, I mean, we only had to wait one train, but it was the fact mm-hmm. that he told us that we could go ahead of him. Yeah. Well, fast forward three years later in 2022, this year, and yeah. we're sitting there and we noticed the old guy that told us this. Oh, yes. And we ended up talking to him and we told him about that experience about wow. us. Yes. Uh-huh. And we ended up talking to him for a good, like, 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. and just told him thanks for that experience because it was something we would always remember. Yeah. The world just got a lot smaller. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I've definitely learned, too, with my travels and different things and interacting with so many different people is you never realize what kind of impact the little things that you do Yes. can have on someone you may consider it something that's not really anything yeah but to somebody else it's something really big because we also went to dollywood and thrills in the hills for the first time in 2019 mm-hmm. later in july and you didn't have that same experience i mean the rides were fun and it was me and my brother again but it just wasn't the same atmosphere yep and atmosphere definitely adds a whole other level of enjoyment not just you know to arrive but to a park in general and whether or not you want to go back yeah okay so the voyage is your favorite coaster <coughs> what coaster would you say is your least favorite coaster, coaster? everybody don't like slcs so mm-hmm. i mean i get it 
But honestly, I had a very bad ride on La Vibora, the Viper or whatever that's called at Sisflies over Texas. Yes, La Vibora. La Vibora, I think that's what it's pronounced. Yes. And yes. I rode Vortex at Carowinds before that too. And I it was a headbanger. But that one, I don't know what it was about that bobsled. But the ride itself was fine when it was in the bobsled parts. Yeah. But when it came to the parts where it had the recenter, that was the single most painful ride I've ever been. I thought I was going to get the insides of me shaken up because uh, it was just so rough and it would just bounce really hard side to side. I just rode that one this year and it is definitely a rough one. But Vortex and Carowinds is the one that just tore me up. Yeah. <laughs> Said never again. Yeah. I mean, people say, like, you got to know how to ride it, but I'm like, I don't know if there's any way to ride those. I don't know. I didn't care enough about that to want to learn how to ride it. <laughs> ride again. That was one and done for me. Yeah. Okay, so you said that, I think it was Flight of Fear that made you an enthusiast. Yes. And then We're, Still Vengeance, you said, kind of cemented. Yeah, I feel like Flight of Fear made mm -hmm. me not scared. I feel like Flight of Fear made me not scared of coasters, but then Still Vengeance made me enthusiast. So what made you realize that you wanted to do more than just ride coasters and that you wanted, that you were an actual enthusiast? I want to say it was Hollywood Nights during 2019. I started getting more into the events and I wanted, I liked the atmosphere of the events of meeting all these people that were from all over the place. Yeah. And I had always wanted to travel. I just never mm -hmm. had a reason to. And that's, you're talking about people from all over the place. That's one of the things that just continues to <laughs> surprise me with all the places I go. I run into people in random states yeah. all the time like we didn't even know each other was coming to that park on that day and we'll either just run into each other it happened this year well it happened up at cedar point because i you know that's a six hour drive for me yeah. i only go once a year and i ran into my friend perry that i that's that's been Perry's and my entire friendship. We run into each other at parks, like all just randomly. And we, I knew him from Hollywood Nights. We we ran into each other and hung out at Dollywood. There he was at Cedar Point. He just saw like a story of mine. It's like, hey, are you at Cedar Point today? Sent me a message. Got together, had a great time. Then this last trip when we were over in uh, doing New Jersey and Pennsylvania, I had no idea our friend Bill from Illinois. <laughs> was basically uh -huh. doing the same trip we were doing we we literally walked into we walked into him we were walking around dorney park and just went around a corner and it's like oh hey bill and uh <laughs> bill was at Knobles when we were there and he was also at hershey park <laughs> wow the first night that we went and, you know, so we got together and, you know, rose and rise together and had fun. But it just happens. Yeah, I went to Carowinds this year and Gina and Larry just happened to be there. We oh, just really? Up. Okay, yeah. Uh, and Danny I did. 
And I w- when I was down there, now I did plan this, but I have a friend that lives right there near Carowinds. Mm-hmm. And I met him at Keys of the Kingdom last year. Okay. But he had been at Hollywood Nights as well, and I just didn't know. But I met him at Keys of the Kingdom. And so he was able to come over and join us, you know, when we were doing our Fury Marathon. It's, it's just everywhere I go, the more people I get to know, there's people here, there, and everywhere. We were walking through King's Dominion, and it was like, hey, there's Clint Novak. Hey, Clint. <laughs> you know, we were able to stop and talk with him. It's just, it's a very, at least the people that I interact with, it's a very positive community. And, um, <coughs> I'm just, you know, I, I'm excited every time I make a new friend and I never know, you know, when these little surprises are going to happen and what's around the next corner. So let's fast forward a little bit to the year 2022, the here and now. Okay. What are some of your bucket list coasters and countries to visit? Because I know you like to travel. Well, my number one bucket list coaster and number one bucket list country is Hakuge, which is in Japan. Um, Hakuge, obviously, is our RMC there, and I would just love to go just to mm-hmm. experience that. But Japan has been my number one bucket list country to go to since I was probably a teenager. Okay. That just changed. What is it about Japan? It seems so appealing. I like the culture. I did, I mean, I did grow up with like PlayStation and stuff and like Nintendo and whatnot. And then I was really intrigued with like World War II and stuff where you got like the other side of it. But I've just really been like, I've always enjoyed that culture and just the, I don't want to say atmosphere of it, but just like with the traditions that they have and stuff like that and the uniqueness. My number one bucket list coaster is Sadra. Poland. Yeah. And then my other one, if I can ever get to it, is Ride to Happiness. Yes. Belgium, the Time Traveler 2.0. Well, fun fact about me is my last name is Polish. So I am Poland somewhat. That's where my last name comes from. Very interesting. You were talking about, you know, going to coaster events and, you know, meeting people. What are some of the coaster groups that you belong to? The only coaster group I belong to currently is the ACE, which is American Coaster Enthusiasts. Um, I've heard about Coaster Crew and that's Mm -hmm. probably about the only other one. And then the Greater Ohio Coaster Club got, I've heard of them too. Okay. And, uh, you know, what about ACE made you decide to select that group as opposed to another group? One, it was the biggest group, which was my first way of like trying to meet more people in the community because I wanted to get tips and tricks on what to do and whatnot. And that seemed to be the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. But then I started realizing the more that I went to these events, it wasn't just Ace that was there. So, but then I didn't want to give up the magazine though, because I enjoy getting the seasonal magazine. Mm -hmm. And then I also enjoyed the local events that ACE did, which I thought maybe that was just something ACE did for their members. But then I realized 
like Coaster Crew, they do their own little events and stuff too. Yeah. And then I started knowing the Ace Landmark Coasters. And then I was like, oh, okay, this group is like really serious. Yes, they are. Like, and, and I've found if you sit back, you go, you know, especially some of these smaller events where you get the time to sit back and talk to some of the Ace reps and stuff. They are just a wealth of knowledge. Yes. I mean, like human encyclopedias on the history of some of the coasters. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. It really is. Totally. So as an enthusiast, I'm sure like most, you probably collect coaster merchandise. What are some of the types of coaster merchandise that you collect? So I like collecting like the Nana coasters, but I don't have a ton of them. I only got like three. And then yeah. I got a coaster dynamics full train cutout that I have that I'm currently painting. Um, other than that, I got a weird thing for collecting the gravity group t-shirts. That seems to be my weird thing where whenever I ride a gravity group coaster, I want to get the t-shirt for it. So I got mind blower, Hades 360, the voyage, of course. Kentucky Flyer. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. care if it's a coaster. To okay. One of their big thrills. I got a Ravine Flyer 2 t-shirt. All right. But one of my favorite things that I did, which isn't really like a collector kind of thing, but I, um, in my, in the video earlier, you might have saw a map that was behind me. I did. That map was framed by my mom's fiance. And on that map, are these one and a half inch buttons and those buttons each have the park logo and where they are located on that map oh wow yeah that's awesome that way i can kind of see how far i ventured out mm-hmm. so it's just a really neat perspective of like oh this is where i've been okay. and of course now i had family be like well what are you gonna do when you get japan and i'm like well i guess i'm just gonna hang like a flag up by it I don't know. <laughs> yeah but that's probably my most like most like prestigious kind of like collection thing that I've done because it's unique. It's not like your typical kind of thing. Yeah, that's a first. Yeah. And a very a very cool first at that. And the size of that map is actually behind my entire love seat. I mean, that's how big it is. Wow. So you've got plenty of room. Yes. And I had to go through a custom like website to actually get the park logos printed because there were certain websites that would refuse to do the copyright. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there was a hurdle to overcome as well. Yeah, but the ones I got up on there of the different parks I've been to, they all have the official logo. Okay. I collect, I've got shirts for all of my favorite coasters, probably more coaster shirts than any human being would ever possibly want or need. I collect coaster pens, got magnets. <laughs> I have coaster models, several nano coasters. I did a few of the wood cutouts, but the wood cutouts are so time consuming. I, and they're hard to put together too, some of them. So I just, I go more with the nano coasters and that sort of thing and a work thing I've started doing to make work fun is I have like different coaster lanyards I put my keys on 
So I'll change out and wear a different coaster lanyard every day. Oh, that's cool. I never thought about that. Yeah. And I've got pins on the lanyards and the kids will ask me about, you know, the lanyards and the pins that I have. And um, I've got, I put stickers on my work computer and everything. So it's always interesting for conversation. And it, it can be a good icebreaker too when I get new students. And, you know, they see these lanyards that I wear, they see the stickers, they see the tattoos. And, you know, then they, they start asking questions. <laughs> and then we start yeah. talking. And it, it can be a good way to, you know, help the kids relax and get yeah. to This mat that I got behind me in this love seat, it's the number one conversation starter as soon as somebody walks in. Because they're like, why you got this huge mat behind you? And now then they feel, start seeing the buttons on it. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Now I feel like I need to take a field trip just to see the map. Yes. <laughs> take pictures of the map, post it. It's a landmark. Then you can hang it up in your classroom. Yes, it just sounds so <laughs> awesome. Like a poster size. Okay, now we've talked about traveling a lot and the fact that you like to travel. And, you know, just like you needed help learning how to travel, you know, and do this hobby to the fullest, as did I. What tips can you give for traveling for those that are new to taking coaster trips? Number one, above anything else, if you don't have nobody to go with, go still. You'll meet all kinds of people along the way. Don't let your fear of not knowing nobody or not having anybody go go do it. I've been as far as Texas by myself and I live in Ohio. That would be my number one advice is just, just do it. Just go. You'll learn a lot more about yourself also doing it that way. You know, I totally agree with that. And some of my, you know, I talked about riding coasters for stress relief and stuff. Some of my most rejuvenating days or, you know, moments will be, you know, when I get that that quiet first train of the day ride on a Rhine or something, you know, <laughs> there's nobody around, you know, and just do that a few times. It's just, you know, it's quiet, it's peaceful. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely something to that. I enjoy being around people, but I'm also one of these people that likes that decompression time yeah. to myself sometimes too. And there's, there's certainly a lot of, uh, I don't know, for me, peace and stress relief and fulfillment, you know, in those quiet rides when there's not anybody else around. Which I also get when I'm driving by myself because it's just you and your car and your radio and mm -hmm. it's like your time to just relax and enjoy just the trip yes and then once you get to the park you'll get some rides that can be like quiet and then other times literally i met a new friend at king's yeah. dominion when i went by myself yeah and the first day i went to king's dominion i didn't meet nobody but the second day i met this random guy and we ended up talking and I literally spent the whole three to four hours riding with him. And then we became wow. friends on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing with each trip and each person you meet, how much smaller the world becomes. Yeah. 
So now we're going to talk about advice. And, you know, this can be advice for anything, whether, you know, someone for someone that's looking at overcoming a fear or, you know, someone that might be facing a personal challenge in their life. What advice would you give to those that are listening? The number one advice that I want to give to anybody that's listening goes back to that first statement, statement that I made. Um, don't let fear control you. Life's too short. I've had perfectly healthy kids, adults, you name it. I've had athletes come in and had an underlying effect that they never knew about. I had a friend not too long ago that I went to school with that was in high school, healthy, fine, you know, just like any other, like me or you had a massive seizure and died gone in a matter Mm -hmm. of a second i've had kids come in that have had brain bleeds just out of the blue and they're gone before you can even do anything with them that would be my thing you're not promised tomorrow no and the other thing i've seen is i've seen people get through their fears and realize just overcoming them was made them into the person they are today. But that would be my number one thing is you're not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We, we had that conversation earlier. It took me a number of years to figure out, you know, if I keep waiting for the right time, to do all these things I want to do. If I keep waiting to the money's just right. If I keep waiting for, you know, this, if I keep waiting for that, I'm never going to do anything. And then I'm going to be too old to do it. And, you know, looking back at my life and realize, realizing, you know, I just live to work. I didn't work to live, you know, and that's not the way that, I want my life to be. I used to spend a whole lot of time, you know, just cleaning the house and all this other stuff, like literally all weekend, every week in the house would have to be spotless and that sort of thing. And now I'm like, you know what? The house is here to clean when I'm ready to clean it. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go have fun. I'm gonna do some other things. And you know, I've also learned with work. I used to be like a huge workaholic. And I do, you know, I still take work very seriously. Yeah, I, do too. I make sure my work is done, but work is always there to do. It's yes. always there to do. My so, mom last okay, time I walk away from her. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, last time I talked to her, she reminded me of a quote that my grandpa said. And he said that that grass that's sitting out there in that front yard waiting to be mowed. Mm-hmm. will be there long after me and you are gone. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> In my yard right now, honestly, the rain has been relentless. I'm looking at the yard. I'm like, someone's going to call the authorities <laughs> in my yard. I promise as soon as this grass is dry, it's getting cut because it's just been, it's been a week. With the rain, it won't dry out enough. You know, in addition to work always being there to do, I've also figured out the work will always get done. Yes, it will. And, and you know, when I'm dead and gone and I'm not around to do it anymore, somebody else is going to do it. 
So that's the scary truth. Your job will be posted the day of your death. True. So I've really had to work on balance and taking care of myself so that I'm the best version of myself for everybody. Because if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm grumpy, everybody around me is grumpy too. <laughs> Just like positive energy is contagious, so is negative. Yes. Uh, I just... I don't want to be that way. I'm to the point now where I, I don't want to deal with any negativity. I mean, I'll talk to address stuff, but if you're just gossiping, I don't want nothing to do with no. it. And you know, the kids that I teach to, the population that I teach is a very, it's interesting little, high traumatized, you know, student population that have dealt more, dealt with more in their young lives than a lot of people have dealt with in a lifetime. Yeah. And I've seen you know, that too. I'm sure you do. Yeah. You know, and they come in with so much negative baggage anyway. I have to be the calm in that storm. You know, I've got to be able to be the light for those kids. And I have, you know, it takes some, you know, some of my tougher cases, it can take a long time you know, to knock that wall down, get that shell chipped away that they build up around themselves, you know, and get through to the child. But if I'm not at my best, all I'm doing is fueling the fire that's already happening in their life and making their, you know, making their whole situation worse. Making my whole situation worse and then nobody wins. So that's another reason why I've really prioritized, you know, taking care of myself, making sure I'm happy, I'm having fun, keeping my stress level under control, because everybody around me benefits from that. And yeah. My life was not always that way. <laughs> so our last question is just revolving around social media. Where can people find you on social media if they would like to learn more about you, see some of the experiences you've had with your coaster travels, or just, you know, reach out and make contact. I am on Instagram as lilcrow10, L-I-L-C-H-R-O, 2010, my bad, not 10, 2010. Um, but the main way that you can get a hold of me and follow me is I am on the FYE community group. There's about 2,000 of us, and I'm a frequent poster on there. Mm -hmm. um, we do meetups throughout the year. Um, I'm over at Kings Island all the time. So if you ever see me, feel free to say hello. But we also do a bunch of fun stuff. Like every March, we'll do a Coaster Madness bracket where we'll division up all the different roller coasters and people will get a vote for their favorite in the, like that elimination kind of style. And at first, it was really heavy Kings Island based because that's where most people were from that we were meeting. But now we're starting to actually venture out and see more people from different parts participate. So it's been a lot of fun oh. as the years have gone. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. All right. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you.